Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Lunchroom Podcast for podcast number three. This week, um, we're going to start off. We're going to give a little recap of our teams as normal. So Clemson, this past week, winning the Palmetto Bowl. Seven straight, should be eight. COVID um, got one for the Gamecocks. They got lucky. Clemson just absolutely dominated in all assets of this game. Came out, didn't let Carolina get anything going on offense. Clemson just ran the ball down their throat. Um, said we're better than you we got better running backs and just ran the ball down their throat pretty simple Andrew Booth I don't know why they threw at him top 10 draft pick one of the best corners of the country had two picks didn't let anything get going offensively to Josh Van or any of the receivers so that was really the game so for Clemson moving forward we are projected to go to the Cheez-It Bowl which will play a big 12 team or the Gator Bowl or we'll play an SEC team it's still kind of up in the air um, it all depends on the ACC championship and what happens between Wake Forest and Pittsburgh, who wins that if Wake Forest makes New Year's Six Bowl? Rhodes, tell us a little bit about your side of the Palmetto Bowl. Well, obviously, Allen did hit on a lot of it. Uh, we just kind of got dominated. That's that's how it was, you know, a 30 nothing score. Really just could not get anything going against that defense. You know, that front seven is one of the best in the country, and they, they proved it on Saturday night. We couldn't throw the ball for anything. We couldn't run the ball. We really just couldn't do anything on offense. And you know, they, they were just able to run the ball against us. You know, I, I kind of thought that that was the way they were going to win the game if they were going to win, and obviously they did. But DJ really didn't have to do very much. Uh, they were just able to hand the ball off pretty much every play, and Shibley had a great game. So, you know, hats off to them for that. But I think, um, you know, even though it, you know, it's a it's a tough way to end the season with that kind of loss to, your, to a team that you really want to beat, you know, I think it you also have to keep the perspective that Coach Beaver went 6-6 six and six in his first season. You know, we make a bowl game, which no one really, you know, thought, including myself, that it was going to happen before the season. So uh, very impressive by him. And kind of to tie in with that, our bowl projections so far, I've seen the Dukes Mayo Bowl more than anything else, specifically against North Carolina, which... That's an interesting matchup, and uh, we can maybe get into that a little bit later if it comes out. Or the Birmingham Bowl, uh, that would be against the Conference USA or an American athletic team. So, you know, whoever we play in a bowl game, it'll be a great opportunity to send the seniors out, hopefully with a win. And uh, I'll send it over to Gavin to give us a final Duke recap for the season. Yeah, Duke had a, another tough game against the Miami Hurricanes and uh, went about as everyone expected it. Actually played close in the first quarter, is 10 to 10, uh, heading into the second. Uh, and from there, everything started to kind of unravel. Uh, and Miami ended up winning by, I think, about 24 to 27 points. You know, they got a good OC. He just left to take the SMU job. Rhett Lashley, the quarterback's a redshirt freshman, but he looked like an experienced senior. And so uh, he played a good, played pretty well against us. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we went finished the year 3-9, uh, lost our final eight, which is always tough. Hopefully you find a way to work hard in the offseason and change that next year. Uh, with that being said, Duke made a decision to move on from David Cutcliffe. You know, I think he's a hell of a coach, but going two and nine and three and nine in back-to-back years, uh, that warrants a change. And so uh, I understand it. And I'm curious to see who we hire. You know, I think uh, I think we really wanted the Notre Dame DC, but of course he just got promoted at Notre Dame. Uh, heard rumors about the Michigan OC, Josh Gaddis, but uh, I think he's going to stay in Michigan. Uh, and a couple other guys we've been rumored, but uh, nothing really confirmed, uh, nothing really close to a deal yet. So, uh, I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens these next couple of days. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest stories of the weekend has got to be all the coaching changes in college football. Um, and I think one that really sticks out to me is um, Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame, a place he's been for quite a while. Um, and one thing I kind of want to discuss between the four of us is, you know, like what do you think is going on through Brian Kelly's head? I mean, he's moving into a division where he's going to have to face Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher every single year. So I just, you know, don't quite understand this move. I think I think LSU is a better job than Notre Dame right now. Do you think not, Notre Dame not being in a conference 
factors into his reason to leave because, you know, they're being left out of playoff discussions right now. And, you know, Gavin, I'll let you chip in right here real quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's kind of simple to me. It comes out of the fact that the last three head coaches at Louisiana state university have won national championships. And, uh, for me, from uh, what I've seen, you know, Brian Kelly's a proven winner, won a bunch of D2 titles, won at Cincinnati, won at Notre Dame, uh, and like won WON. So he's proven he's a winner and uh, taking it to that next level in the SEC, where uh, really I personally think the SEC championship is the only guaranteed playoff ticket punch, including this year. Every single other conference has had a conference champion not make the playoffs. Uh, so for me, he sees it as a way to get into the final four and potentially have a good enough team to win it all. So kind of to build off what Gavin said, uh, I think he was just he just wanted a different kind of challenge. Uh, I think also, you know, Notre Dame not being in a conference really influenced that. Gavin did mention that the SEC, you know, basically that is an automatic ticket to the to the college football playoff. So I think he looks at it as an opportunity um, more than anything else. And, you know, LSU, obviously, I still think it's a tier one job. It's a better job than Notre Dame. And he's won at every single level, as Gavin said. So I think he's, you know, he's looking forward to the challenge. I'm very interested to see how he does, though. Um, you know, he's he's going to face a schedule very different than what he did at Notre Dame. So he's going to have to have those boys ready really, really quickly because the expectations are going to be really high. So I'm very interested to see how he does. And so with that, you know, there was another big coaching change with Lincoln Riley just completely ditching Oklahoma. I mean. You know, it really seemed like they kind of ushered him in and kind of pushed Bob Stoops out of the way to, you know, secure him and lock him in. So, you know, what do y'all think about Lincoln just kind of ditching Oklahoma for USC? Um, I think it's a low move. I don't I don't like it at all. You're just leaving your players that you personally recruited, um, that you made promises to. You're just ditching them, leaving them out to dry. You're leaving the coaches that you brought to that school out to dry, um, all the families of the recruits you talk to. I understand now that he's swaying them to USC, but he's just doing Oklahoma dirty. That gave him a job and brought him up and gave him a head coaching job, gave him that opportunity. That He's just doing them completely dirty. I will say, though, I do understand why he went to USC. Um, they gave him a bag, $110 million. They're buying both of his homes in Norman. They're buying him a $6 million home in LA, and they're giving him an unlimited use of the private jet 24-7 for his family. So they are giving him everything and above. Kind of, you can't turn that down. Um, USC also, he can take control of that conference um, and win it and go to the playoff as the playoffs probably about to expand. So, I mean, he's got a good deal set up over there. He's bringing some recruits with him. So, I think it was a good move, but also I think he did him dirty. Yeah, uh, going off that, I understand it a little more just because, uh, you know, coaching is – it's a business. And uh, at some point, if you're going to leave, you're going to have to leave players and you're going to have to leave people you promised. So, it just happens. Uh, there's really no – right way to do it but uh there definitely is a wrong way to do it and i uh, i think he kind of did that i'm a uh, good friends with the ad's son in oklahoma rumor is lincoln riley went up to joe castiglione and told him hey like i'm staying here like i'm in it for the long haul like you know, i want to win a national championship and then you know the very next day the news broke so uh that's you just i mean you gotta know better than that uh he also went on sports center with scott van pelt and uh said that you know, USC contacted me like yesterday and I've made the decision now. And I just, with like the huge contract with buying houses with unlimited private jet, that, that just doesn't happen in one night. I mean, uh, I've also seen, you know, nobody's really talked about the USC job and it's been open the longest. And so uh, I have reasons to believe that they've been in contact with Lincoln Riley for the whole season since they fired Clay Helton. But uh, 
you know, that's not confirmed, but I just, I don't think that full contract and all that goes into one night. So uh, the way Lincoln just like talked to the media about it and the way he kind of just went right behind the eighties back, I think it's a uh, pretty scummy. Y'all talk about doing a team dirty. What about Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame in, and I know they're on the outside looking in on the playoff, but I mean, he's leaving a team that's 11 and one right now sitting at, I mean, there's six in the college football playoff ranking, right? I just don't understand why he makes that move right now. And he can't at least hold off for another week and see if, you know, because if Michigan and, you know, like Oklahoma state were to lose, I mean, you got to think Notre Dame has at least a chance to slide in there above Alabama at four. So it just didn't make sense to me for Brian Kelly to leave in the middle of the season like this, where they're, you know, really in contention. Yeah, I'll add a little something. I mean, I, I just don't, as Will said, I don't really understand it. I mean, they have a very realistic chance to make the playoff tomorrow. I mean, I I could really see, you know, Oklahoma State losing to Baylor or something, or maybe Cincinnati loses some freak game to Houston or something like that, and they're able to slip in. I also think that, you know, when the video leaked of his closing press conference with all the players and everything, he did say that they he felt that they were one of the top four teams in the country. And with him saying that, I don't really understand why he would, you know, just leave with saying that and kind of walk out on them like that. I understand that it seemed like the players were pretty upset um, in the press conference. It seemed like he was kind of expecting an applause as he exited, and he just never really got anything. So it's really, really interesting, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before, specifically in the playoff era. Yeah, I'll go off that. Um, kind of with the players not loving it, um, their best player, Kyron Williams, has been tweeting about it. Specifically, right after it happened, he said he tweeted, that's crazy, and then he tweeted, the brotherhood is the only thing that we need. So this just kind of showed that they were very taken aback by it. Their players have also talked about the culture didn't leave. So that kind of shows that they they were kind of hurt by this, hurt by the move. They didn't see it coming. Um, they felt betrayed by it. And I think that kind of just shows you um, Brian Kelly's character. A story that has been brought to light this week, this happened a while ago. One time, Brian Kelly was having a party when he was a Central Michigan football coach, and he had Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala, um, who were GAs at the time. And so when they showed up to the party thinking they were invited, they were on the workers list. And so they just shoveled snow on night and parked cars, and Brian Kelly didn't even, like tell them they were doing that. They just showed up and do that. He just kind of he just kind of does people dirty, kind of did his players dirty, just kind of left them out to dry. I think they're going to be fired up. I don't think they'll make the playoffs because they obviously don't have a conference championship. Um, so I'll close with this um, in terms of Brian Kelly and LSU. You know, do y'all think he will win at LSU within the next – and I'm not necessarily saying, like, national championship, but do y'all think, you know, he's got a, a chance to really impact them and, you know, build them back up to where they were? I'm actually going to say no. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I just don't think – LSU historically, I mean, yes, you know, they have been pretty good, but they kind of seem like they're they're good. I think he might have one good year. I think he might be kind of like a Coach O where he, where he just strikes gold once or, you know – he recruits some quarterback that takes them, you know, as far as they can go. But I just don't think it's going to be sustained success. Uh, as long as Alabama's in that division, Nick Saban's in that division, I think, you know, Mississippi State is climbing with Mike Leach. I think Kiffin is doing some great things at Ole Miss as long as he stays, which I think he is going to. Um, so I think it's going to be really tough for him to win. Even Auburn, you know, they did go 6-6, six and six, but you could – see kind of the strides that they're even making just last week uh, on Saturday when they nearly beat Alabama. So I think it's going to be really difficult for him. You know, I hope he does well or whatever, but I, I really don't see it actually. To counter that, I'll go yes, but I put a huge asterisk next to it. I think it depends on uh, who he hires as coordinators. I think one of the reasons Coach O was really successful in 2019 was uh, due to Joe Brady's offense and, of course, Joe Burrow transferring in the year before. I think Brian Kelly can do it. I think he knows clearly how to build a good culture build a good team, uh, but I, I do think it's going to be heavily influenced by who he hires as offensive and defensive coordinator, and uh, 
of course, you know, he really wanted both the Notre Dame guys and they both turned him down. So uh, it'll be curious to see who he goes after. But if he hires the right guys, I, I think they can do it. You know, they're not going to do it next year, probably not the year after that, but give it three to five years. And I, I think they'll be in contention for the playoff. And, you know, when you're in the playoff, you always got a chance. I will say one more thing about Brian Kelly. Um, did y'all see the video that just came out of him talking to LSU fans at the basketball game and his Southern accent? That that just came out of nowhere. Did, did anyone think he made that up? I did see that. And I don't know. I thought it was a little bit of an overreaction personally. I mean, I will say I, you know, don't really listen to Brian Kelly talk a ton. Um, he just doesn't really come up in all the SEC football stuff I watch until now. Um, but I didn't really make a ton of it. Um, it didn't seem like his voice was really that altered. But, I mean, you know, he's got to adapt to Southern culture a little bit um, moving from Indiana. So, you know, I, I don't think it's an awful thing, but it is, you know, a little strange. Okay, so uh, with all that being said, we're going to kind of tie into the playoff discussion. Uh, there's a lot of big games tomorrow that will dictate, you know, who's going to end up in the playoff. So, first of all, I want to start with kind of an open-ended question for you guys. Uh, obviously, Michigan is the number two ranked team right now. They just had a huge win against Ohio State at home. Do you guys think they are properly ranked at number two or sh should another team be ranked above them? You know, I really think Michigan is the best of our options that are open. Um, I, I'm not really in love with Michigan at two. Um, like, I really don't see them as a threat to Georgia right now. Like, I still personally think Alabama is the team that can beat Georgia. Um, I think, you know, they're going to give Georgia the best game. I, you know, I think if Georgia sees Michigan in the playoffs, I just – don't see it being close that honestly, but I mean, I do think Michigan of the, of the teams left, I think they're, um, you know, I think they're much better than Cincinnati and Oklahoma state right now. It definitely looks like Gavin disagrees with that. So you're welcome to butt in, but I mean, I think Michigan's properly ranked. Uh, yeah. I mean, you ended it with their probably ranked, which I agree, but uh, I mean, they just, you know, beat Ohio state, which people have been going kind of crazy for the past couple of weeks. You don't, you don't think Michigan can give Georgia a game? I, I think that they don't have the quarterback play to to beat Georgia. I think I think Georgia will shut down their run game, but I don't think they have the quarterback play yet to to beat Georgia. As Will just said, um, I think Michigan plays right into Georgia's strengths. Their run game plays right into Georgia's D line. I think Jordan Davis would absolutely eat them up. Um, yeah, they'd just be too much. Georgia would just be too much. I do think it'd be a good game, and Michigan would give up put up a fight. But I think the SC ball in the end would just win. So uh, another ranking discussion, and for what it's worth, I think Michigan uh, is the number two team in the country right now. So uh, another thing I wanted to ask you guys, do you guys think Cincinnati is kind of stuck at that number four spot um, regardless of what – or, if you know, if everything kind of goes like we think it's going to go this weekend, do you think this the playoff committee will move them at all? Will Oklahoma State jump them, or are they going to be stuck at number four and end up playing Georgia, assuming Georgia wins? I think they are stuck at number four, just not being – a big, big team with any big wins other than Notre Dame playing smaller teams, not having as good as competition. You're, you aren't proven as much. I think they are stuck at that number four. I think there is, there's one doomsday scenario for them. Uh, I think if Alabama upsets Georgia and uh, Oklahoma state wins, uh, I think there is a big chance that Oklahoma state jumps them. And of course, both Alabama and Georgia would stay in the top four. But besides that scenario, I agree with Allen. Um, you know, they have that one big win over Notre Dame. So I think that's enough to get them to four, but playing their competition in their conference, I think they they're stuck at four at best. So Gavin, you know, kind of to rebound off that. And I'm, I actually agree with you in this question, but so do y'all think a 13-0 Cincinnati can be left out of the playoff? Even, I mean, I know Oklahoma State will have most likely, you know, three top 15 wins in the last like six weeks or so. And Cincinnati will have one. And that was, you know, early in the season at Notre Dame, which is a good win. But um, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, 
what have you done for me lately? Oklahoma State is definitely, um, you know, they're getting hot at the right time. But, you know, I, it's just hard for me to see a 13-0 and Cincinnati, you know, not making that four spot. Uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a heck of a conversation for the playoff committee because, you know, it's in the past, you know, they have given it to the one-loss conference champion with big wins over the undefeated group of five team. But uh, I forget, I think it was Will and uh, last week's podcast or maybe the week before uh, talked about group of five teams. It's kind of a two-year resume, you know, one year undefeated, uh, kind of like knocking on the door and then second year also undefeated with a big win. Uh, it's going to be tough for, uh, for college football. I'd like to see Cincinnati get in. So, you know, maybe they do pull up a miracle upset, which I don't think they will, but even if they don't like, you know, at least a group of five team made it. So, uh, I'm, I'm rooting for them to get in, but I, I think there's a small chance they don't, I think it'll be a big conversation in the playoff committee on Sunday. And so this is kind of my big issue. If Cincinnati gets left out at 13 and 0, you know, the whole reason we expanded this is to give those, you know, group of five teams, those smaller teams, at least a fighting chance. I mean, if Cincinnati goes 13 and 0, I mean, I don't think there's another group of five team that's going to have the, the resume that they've had. Like if Cincinnati doesn't get in, I don't really see a group of five team being able to get in while it's at four. So you know, do y'all think there's even a point in, you know, group of five teams like, you know, it's just, it would be crazy to me. I mean, because the whole point of this committee is to, you know, give, you know, teams from other conferences equal opportunities. There's just not a lot I can say if they don't expand where I could see a group of five team get in if Cincinnati doesn't get in this year. Uh, kind of going off what Will said, I, I don't think it's ever going to happen if it doesn't happen this year. I don't think a group of five team has had a win like Cincinnati has. And kind of to talk about that a little bit more. Do you guys think the playoff committee, yes, Oklahoma State will have, you know, three top 15 wins if they're able to win tomorrow, but none of them will be away from home. They have one or they have one neutral site win, but the other two will be home games. Do you guys think that Cincinnati winning on the road will, you know, impact them at all or kind of how the committee views it? Well, I do think style points will be huge on Saturday for Cincinnati and Oklahoma State. Like, I mean, I think the committee is going to really watch how both teams play. Like, I think, you know, Cincinnati plays like they did against SMU and looks really good against Houston. I think that's a very, very impressive win. It's going to be hard if they, you know, beat Houston by, you know, two, three touchdowns. It's going to be hard to leave them out. But it's the same for Oklahoma State. You know, they beat Baylor early in the year in a close game. But if they, you know, show a lot of improvement and beat them by, you know, two scores or, you know, can kind of pull away towards the end, I, you know, style points is going to be huge. And I think that could factor into – you know, even if they both win, you know, if Cincinnati wins close and Oklahoma State, you know, controls the game, I think Oklahoma State has the edge there in the, you know, four or five spot. And, you know, if it's flipped, if Cincinnati, you know, wins by three scores and Oklahoma State has to kick a field goal in overtime, you know, I think Cincinnati will have the edge. So, you know, I think Oklahoma State, you know, they really haven't been tested away from home yet. But I think a neutral site goes a long way because the playoffs will be neutral site games. So if they look good at neutral site, there's not really a lot of concern for me there. So kind of the last thing to ask you guys, sort of tie it all together. Um, which of the top four teams do you guys see as the most likely team to lose? Um, you know, does Notre Dame come into that if, you know, two teams were to lose? Uh, what are you guys thinking in terms of, you know, one, two, three, four, who is the most likely to lose and maybe the least likely to lose? There will be a top four team losing tomorrow as a uh, number one Georgia and number three Alabama play each other. So for me, I'm taking number three Alabama. Um, you know, they snuck out a late overtime or triple overtime, whatever, when it was uh, against Auburn last week. And uh, you know, that was an Auburn team that just came off losses to South Carolina and Mississippi State. Uh, you could definitely argue that, you know, Alabama was looking ahead towards the SEC championship, you know, kind of like a trap game. But either way, they did not impress me. And uh, they play like that. They will not beat Georgia. I think Alabama is the most likely to lose. 
Uh, and I, I think it's tough because, you know, I like Will talking about style points, the eye test. If Alabama loses by a lot, you know, they're they're not in. And I don't think you can argue that there's a chance. Uh, you know, if they play, play it close and some pe- other people lose, then there's a shot they still make it. I mean, I think Alabama really needs to win to get in. So, you know, my biggest thing with Notre Dame is – and say, like, there's a doomsday scenario – and it, it just comes – let's just look at Cincinnati and Notre Dame. Say, like, they're battling for four. Cincinnati loses, Notre Dame doesn't have a game. To me, there's n- just no way you can have Notre Dame jump Cincinnati, even if they don't win the American game on Saturday, because they'll still be 12-1 and one with probably a better strength of schedule, and they have the head-to-head win at Notre Dame. So, I, you know, I, you know Rhodes, you kind of mentioned, does Notre Dame have a chance to get in? I don't think so, because even though Cincinnati loses their conference championship, there's not really an argument to me – where Notre Dame could jump them. What if Michigan loses, Alabama loses by a lot, and Oklahoma State loses? Okay, well, I will say there is opportunity for both of them to get in, but if it came down to one or the other, to me, Notre Dame just can't jump Cincinnati. They're already kind of stuck there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You literally said it. I mean, they'd both be 12 and, or, you know, 11 and 1, 12 and 1, no conference championship, and Cincinnati has the head to head win. So, yeah. If it does come to Notre Dame or Cincinnati, I think you're right. Uh, no matter what, I'm putting Cincinnati above them. Uh, no one's really mentioned them so far, but any any chance that Michigan loses, I don't really think there's much of a chance, but they are Michigan. So you could always kind of – they would be so Michigan for them to beat Ohio State and then lose in the Big Ten Championship. But what do you guys think about that game? Yeah, Rhodes, I, I do have a weird feeling about this game, and I would really hate it for Jim Harbaugh if they uh, were to lose to Iowa. But I, I'm not really – I haven't been a believer in Iowa all year. Um, so I think Michigan is just going to take care of business. They know the opportunity they've got this year. They finally beat Ohio State. I think for them to let this opportunity slip away would be a complete uh, failure on the coaching staff and the players. I mean, you, you know, you finally get to what you want, and if you know they they can't get it, it's just it's going to be a you know big disappointment for them and their program. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say Iowa is. I feel like they always do have that that upset win every season, but I think Jim Harbaugh has them ready, and um, they're going to go into college football playoff. Going back to a little more coaching changes, Brent Venables, will he take the OU job? That's a that's a hot topic right now. We don't really know um, if that's for sure. It's up in the air. And then Marcus Freeman gets the Notre Dame job. Does this ensure Fickle stays put at Cincinnati? I really think the Fickle thing is really interesting. Uh, it, was, it was said for a while, at least from what I saw, that if Notre Dame was to move on from Brian Kelly or if he were to leave, that Fickle, it seemed like, was the obvious hire and that he was going to end up there. I, I don't know if, you know, I haven't really heard his name uh, for many other jobs. I mean, I don't really know if Oklahoma's been looking at him or anything like that, but I actually think he's going to end up staying where he is, especially if they make the playoff this year. Maybe if they don't and get left out at 13-0, I could see him leaving, but uh, I think that'd be the only way. All right, from that, moving on, um, talk a little about the Georgia-Bama game. Did Bryce Young's late-game heroics make him the Heisman frontrunner, which I think it's, yes, it's his Heisman to lose. The only thing standing – between Bryce Young and the Heisman is Georgia's defense. And then what happens if Alabama wins? So I think uh, kind of like what Alan said, you know, I think it might be his to lose. Uh, he's got a great chance to lose it because playing Georgia's defense will make you look pretty bad sometimes. But at the same time, you know, with great challenge comes great opportunity. And I think this is this is anyone's Heisman moment. You know, it seemed like, you know, Joe Burrow had his Heisman moment against Georgia two years ago in the SEC championship. I think Bryce Young could have his, especially if they win. Um, and if they were to win, you know, I think it would really shake a lot of things up. And it kind of goes back to our whole, you know, Oklahoma State versus Cincinnati debate, assuming Oklahoma State wins. Obviously, if they lose tomorrow, it's pretty easy Cincinnati. But 
I think it could lead to a lot of different uh, topics for the committee to go over. So go, kind of going off the what happens if Alabama wins, I don't, I don't know if they will. This isn't the same Alabama team that we've seen. Um, they're down to two scholarship running backs, and one of them, Robinson's hurt. So it's just not that same Alabama, we, that dominant run game we've seen. I think that affects Bryce Young and that he's throw the ball a lot more. Yeah, Will, what do you have to say about this? You know, say – and, you know, it's hard for me to necessarily argue um, for Jordan Davis. I think Alabama's got a linebacker, um, Will, Will Anderson, I believe is his name. And, you know, if we're talking about, you know, just best player in college football, I definitely think he's a guy that could be up for the discussion. You know, because I think especially if Alabama were to lose, you know, you see C.J. Stroud, you know, not necessarily struggle in a big game, but they don't win. Um, and Bryce Young, for example. And, you know, Kenny Pickett kind of fell off um, with Pitt's uh, late season loss. I don't think a defensive player is going to win it this year, but I do think there's a chance that a defensive player makes a late run, maybe gets like a top four finish. I don't know. I still think it's hard to count out CJ Stroud for what he's done this year. I mean, I know they lost to Michigan, but I, I mean, he played well in that game. So, you know, for me, I still think it's going to, unless, you know, Bryce Young plays well in a win over Georgia, it's going to be hard to not give it to him. But, you know, if Alabama loses, I still think CJ Stroud's got a pretty strong case. I do think, uh, you know, we talked about earlier this year uh, that if C.J. Stroud ran the table with Ohio State, it was his to lose. And uh, clearly, you know, they lost last week to Michigan. Um, so, yeah, now I, I kind of agree. I think Bryce Young is in the driver's seat, noting that if he wins this week, it should be his. I also think that, uh, you know, a lot of late game performances are kind of valued more than early game. So I think Hassan Haskins at Michigan has a chance if uh, he plays really well against Iowa. Um, you know, I definitely think he gets an invite and uh, may not win it. He's definitely in the contention. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, if Michigan loses and Alabama loses, then I can see it going to C.J. Stroud, uh, especially for his performance against Michigan State. I don't know about you guys, but this is, in my opinion, the first time in a while where I don't feel really confident about the Heisman frontrunner. I mean, you know, we've had years past. Joe Burrow's year, like, it was pretty obvious he was the guy. Uh, before that, Kyler Burry. Before that, Baker. like you felt like, you know, those were the guys up front. And so uh, I think it's kind of – it's a weird year for sure. I definitely agree with that. It's a very weird year in that there's no – there's not that one dude that um is clearly just flat out the best player in college football. I'm going to be honest, I totally forgot uh, Devonta Smith won it last year. I was, like, thinking about who won it. And, God, it's crazy to think a receiver won it last year. But uh, he – I mean, he was dominant. He put on a lot of crazy performances in SEC play. But – uh. Now moving on into our championship picks, conference championship week. So let's talk a little bit about our overall records. From last week, I was seven and one. Rhodes was five and four. Gavin six and three, and Will at six and three. Um, overall, uh, Rhodes and I are tied at fifteen and ten with our game picks. Gavin at fourteen eleven, and Will at thirteen and twelve. So yeah, kind of going into, we'll start with the Pac-12 championship: Oregon versus Utah Friday night game. Will, start us off. Yeah, so early in the season, I really liked Utah, and I think a lot of that had to do with them playing at home. I just like Oregon in this big game. You know, I, I really want to see an Oregon-Ohio State rematch in the Rose Bowl, so I, I just think Oregon's going to have a really big game and, you know, kind of a payback game for them and uh, win the Pac-12. Yeah, I was, I'm on the flip side of that. I picked Oregon to beat Utah two weeks ago. Not only did they lose, but they got the crap kicked out of them, and um, – you know, I, I firmly believe it's hard to beat a team twice, but if you beat a team that bad the first game, I, I think you should be the favorite to win a second game. So uh, I, I, I'm rolling with Utah this time. 
I'm also going to go with Utah, uh, just based on the fact that I am 1-0 when I picked Utah this year, and that has led me to being time for first place. I think Utah is the favorite for sure, but I think Oregon will get the so-called upset. Moving into the next championship, conference championship, we have Conference USA, Western Kentucky at UTSA. Yeah, so this is a tough game for me because, I mean, I think Western Kentucky's got one of the best passers in the country. But, you know, I'm kind of riding with UTSA. I know they had a loss recently, but, I mean, they were in the college football playoff rankings. They've got a very good team, and uh, I just I think they're going to come to play. So going off what I said about the Oregon-Utah game about beating a team twice, UTSA beat WKU earlier in the season, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was only by four to seven points. And so that's a time where, you know, I think teams make corrections and teams turn it around. Uh, you also got to take context of that early game. Uh, Western Kentucky was just coming off losses to Michigan State, uh, Indiana, Army. So, you know, they weren't as confident, weren't feeling great. But uh, since that UTSA game, they've won uh, seven in a row. They're eight and four. Uh, Bailey Zab has put it up crazy numbers in the offense. And uh, I think they get it done this time around. Give me the Hilltoppers. I'm also going to take Western Kentucky. I actually did watch a little bit of the highlights of their first time they played. It was a really, really good game. Uh, UTSA ended up winning by six. But Bailey's app threw for 523 yards in the game, so it's kind of proven that they, they couldn't stop him through five touchdowns. I think he'll continue and make enough plays to uh, lead him to a big conference championship win. Yeah, I think behind Bailey's app, I think they, they beat him. Moving into our next game, um, the Big 12 championship, number nine, Baylor at number five, Oklahoma State. Baylor gets another shot at Oklahoma State after already played early this season. Oklahoma State escaped with the win. Um, Will, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, y'all know I've been big on Oklahoma State all year. I mean, they've got one of the best defenses in the country, and I, I just think that's going to, you know, push them forward in the Big 12 championship on Saturday. So I have Oklahoma State. Yeah, I watched a lot of the Bedlam game. It was a heck of a game. And uh, Oklahoma State showed me they can play with the big guns. So uh, I, I take Jim Knowles and that defense uh, this week. Yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma State to beat them again. I think their defense makes just enough plays to to kind of clip Baylor. I think, you know, the pressure is on Oklahoma State, but I, I think they'll seize the moment, just as I said last week, and I think they get a big uh, opportunity to play in the college football playoff. I got Oklahoma State because um, of their defense. 106 total tackles, three sacks, and three forced fumbles is led by the Oklahoma State senior Malcolm Rodriguez, one of the country's best linebackers. He actually wrestled Gundy um, after their win this past week, which is a little weird. And I think led by this defense, they're going to win the game. All right, moving on to the MAC championship, Kent State versus Northern Illinois. Yeah, Kent State's favored by three and a half. And I, I do think this will be a very close game, but I think um, Kent State's just going to do just enough late in this game to pull away and get a victory and win the MAC. Um, yeah, this is, for me, this is my biggest kind of like wild card up in the air game just because, you know, I've been watching my MAC shit, but I really don't know a lot about these MAC teams, so – I'm going to pull a good Rhodes Campbell and say, you know, Vegas knows what Vegas knows. So uh, give me Kent State. Yeah, I got a lot of the Vegas shout out there. But uh, I'm going to go with my boy Rocky Lombardi. If you would have told me two years ago that he has a chance to be a conference champion, I would have told you you're crazy. So my boy Rocky Lombardi, the starting quarterback for Northern Illinois, I think he'll find a way. I'm going with Kent State, led by Dustin Crum. He's been there for a minute. Um, I think he'll lead them to the dub. All right, next game, the Mountain West Championship, Utah State versus number nine, San Diego State. Yeah, um, San Diego State's coming in here with a top 20 ranking. Um, and, you know, I just – I think they're just, you know, flat out more talented than Utah State. And I think, you know, that'll show um, Saturday afternoon. I agree with Will. Uh, San Diego State has done a lot of winning this year. Uh, clearly a proven team in the top 20 of the rankings. And I, I think they're more talented. So, I think uh, the Aztecs will pull away. 
Yeah, kind of building off what you guys said, I, I just think San Diego State's a little more talented, so I think they'll find a way to win the game. Same reason, San Diego State, not close, not a close game. All right, let's move into the Sun Belt Championship. App State versus number 24, Louisiana. Yeah, I think this is a game for Billy Napier where he kind of puts a bow on his time at uh, Lafayette. And, you know, I mean, I really have a lot of respect for App State and they've kind of run the Sun Belt. But this just kind of seems like a, you know, kind of a a, a farewell, good send-off kind of game for Billy Napier and, you know, kind of a, you know, coming together moment for that team, you know, leave on a, leave on a high note. So I, I have Louisiana. Two words, Chase Bryce, give me App State. I'm going to take App State. Uh, I'm really not sure why. I just have a weird feeling that they're going to win. Uh, the first time these teams played, Louisiana, or Louisiana hit the crap out of them. I think they won like 41 to 13. So I'm not really sure why I'm going with App State, but I got the special feeling. So I think the Mountaineers find a way. App State is favored in this game. It is actually in Louisiana. I originally picked App State, but I'm going to have to switch my pick to Louisiana. I don't know why I just got this feeling that, like Will said, Billy Napier is going to pull something out in his last game. They're going to send him off with the win. All right, now moving on to the next game. We have the SEC Championship. Number one, Georgia versus number three, Bama. Can Georgia get over the hump, which has haunted them the past few years, which is Bama? Yeah, Georgia hasn't given me a reason not to pick them, so I'm going to stick with it and take Georgia in the SEC Championship. I think it's closer than uh, some people think. Looking back at Georgia's schedule right now, I mean, their best win is probably Clemson, who they only beat by seven. Uh, they beat Kentucky, who hasn't looked great since then. Arkansas hasn't looked as good as we thought they'd be. I, I don't think Georgia's as dominant as everyone loves to say, but I still think they're the better team. I think they beat uh, Alabama. I'll take the Georgia defense uh, to make enough plays for them to win the game. The only thing that kind of worries me about Georgia is they really haven't had to play four quarters of complete ball yet to win a game because they've just been beating the crap out of everybody. So uh, it might be interesting if it's close in the fourth quarter, but I, I'm going to take Jordan Davis and the boys on defense. This was a tough one for me as Bama's just always controlled the SEC and Georgia always chokes, but switch my pick at the last minute. I'm going to have to go with Georgia. I think Georgia's defense will get it done. Um, Alabama, as shown in that Auburn game, just isn't good enough this year. Um, now moving on to the American Champion Conference Championship, 21 Houston at number four versus number four Cincinnati. Yeah, I, the one thing I don't have in terms of a feel on this game is if Cincinnati is going to come out and play really well or really poorly, but I do think Cincinnati will find a way to win, whether it's closer by a lot. It just depends on what Cincinnati team we get. I think they – see the playoff rankings, and they know they control their own destiny. So I see them, you know, getting the win. Yeah, I agree with Will. I think uh, Cincinnati realizes how important the eye test is and how important it is for this game. So uh, I think they get it done in the big fashion this week. Uh, I, I think, you know, going off what you guys said, I think they know how close they are. Um, and I think they, you know, even if they're number four, they really want that shot at Georgia again. So I think they're going to seize the moment. I think they're going to win the game. I got Cincinnati as well. Um I think they got one thing in mind and one thing only, and that's the playoffs. They're determined to get there. Sauce Gardner is just going to absolutely lock up whoever's Houston best receiver is. I don't even know. Now moving on to the ACC championship, number 15 Pitt versus number 10 Wake. Yeah, I really like the quarterback matchup here, but I just think Kenny Pickett is going to outduel Sam Hartman, so I'm going to go with Pitt. For me, it goes down to the fact that uh, Pittsburgh is a very, a very cover four-based team, and uh, – I think Wake Forest and their RPO offense is kind of built to play against that type of defense. So uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, I am kind of split, but uh, I am, I'm going with Wake Forest. I'm going to go Pitt. Uh, Wake and ACC champions just do not belong in the same sentence, so I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. 
I'm going to go with Wake Forest um, as they still have New Year's Six Bowl aspirations. I think Kenny Pickett gets a little out Two great quarterbacks. It's going to be a great game. But, yeah, I got Wake. Um, now moving on to the last game, the Big Ten Championship, number two Michigan versus number 13 Iowa. Yeah, I just don't think Iowa really has the offense to keep up with Michigan's run game. And, I, you know, I think Michigan will win this one by, you know, two touchdowns. Yeah, I think uh, Iowa won a couple games early and, you know, jumped all the way up to number two at one point. But uh, I think it's kind of falling apart for them. Uh, their offense hasn't been able to do much. And so uh, I see Michigan winning this one. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Michigan. Uh, hello, playoff for Mr. J.B. Allen. Shout out to him. Michigan. Bandwagon. Bandwagon. Um, yeah, I got Michigan as well. Um, I think they got the playoff in mind. We'll see if they can make it. Thanks for tuning in to the Lunchroom Podcast this week. Um, see you all next week.